Amen. Well, we're diving into week two of a series that we're calling Uphill Habits. And uh, each week we're giving you a different habit to really make this year the best year of your life. And what I mean by that is if we say that this year is going to be the best year spiritually, it will be your best year. So the habit that we talked about last week was simply put God first. Put God first in everything that you do. If we could get to a place where we're giving God the first of our, of our month, the first of our year, the first of our week, the first of our day, we're really going to see, truthfully, we're going to see um, a true change in our life. Because when you put God first, when you put him where he really belongs in priority, he really does begin to shape and form our lives. Um, We said this last week, we are what we repeatedly do. We are what we repeatedly do. Or a better way to say it is this, we form our habits and then our habits form us. We form our habits and then our habits form us. So here's the whole intention of this 21 days of prayer and fasting. The whole intention of even this series is we're trying to form healthy habits. Show of hands, how many say, man, I need some healthy habits. We need some healthy habits. And so that's all we're trying to do. So that was habit one, put God first. So what I want to give you today is habit two. But before I do that, I want to offer this to you. And we've said it like this. Most people have uphill hopes, but we have downhill habits, right? So we have a high hope, like uh, this year is going to be great, but it's never great because we don't change anything that we're actually doing. And so oftentimes that drags us down. But let me tell you this, all you need this morning, all you need is just a little glimmer of hope. Just a little glimmer of hope that God is actually for you, that God is with you, and that at the end of the day, like God actually wants you to have a good year this year. God's not up in heaven going, man, I just, I cannot wait to make their year a living hell. (laughs) That's not what he's doing. Ultimately, God wants the best for you this year, but it's also going to require you changing some things in your life. So I thought it'd be best to start off with a verse, and it's in Romans 12, verse 2, and it says this, fix your attention on God. And I love this. It says, if you do this, You'll be changed from the inside out. You'll readily recognize what he wants from you and you'll quickly respond to it. How many of you want to hear God's voice? Like, how many of you want to know what God wants for you? He's saying if you fix your attention on God, you'll begin to recognize what he wants from you. And you'll quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its immaturity. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. So that's our intention. We want you to fix your eyes, fix your focus on Jesus so that ultimately you can be changed from the inside out. And then when you're changed from the inside out, guess what happens? You begin to hear God's voice clearly. How many of you would say, like, 2018, like, I just need some direction from God. Like, I just need some answers. I need to hear. I don't know where to go. I feel like I'm at a crossroads. I don't know if I need to turn right. I don't know if I need to keep going straight, turn left. What do I do? So you do not get answers if you keep being dra- if you're constantly dragged down by the same habits over and over. Oftentimes it muddies up God's voice. So habit one was put God first. Habit two, the second thing that we want to focus on today is this. We've got to learn to keep our lives aligned with God's purpose. So keep my life aligned with my purpose. Let me, let me put it to you this way. How many of you have ever been to a chiropractor? Anybody ever been to a chiropractor? 
Um, I remember when I got in a wreck, I, I did all the physical therapy, and, you know, they do dry needling, electric shock. And to be honest with you, I, th- I think some of those people actually enjoy their job a little too much. Like, my back was still hurting. That lady was like, I can, like, dry needle your back right now. I was like, no. I mean, is that, like, sticking needles in my actual back? No, let's just let's continue with the massage. I'll go with that, right? Um, but if they're a chiropractor, they have this term, and it's called referred pain. Anybody ever heard of this term, referred pain? So, so what it is, is if your back is out of line, or you've been in a wreck, or you hurt it, or you did something, your brain is actually sending um, your spine signals that maybe you have pain in the middle of the back. So the chiropractor will come in, and he says, okay, where's the pain? He said, it's right in the middle of my back. And so he'll begin to adjust your back, and he cracks the middle of your back, and you begin to realize, okay, he adjusted me, but I'm still feeling the pain in the middle of my back. Well, the term referred pain actually means this, that your nerves are actually sending a signal that your pain is actually in the middle of the back, but the real problem is down the, in the bottom of the spine. So you're feeling the pain somewhere else. So, so here's what I mean by this. If your life is not in line with God's purpose. You can try to align it how you think what needs to shift and you can put it into order, but you're still going to feel pain everywhere else. Everywhere else. So here's the whole idea of what God wants to do this morning. He wants to align your life, not with your purpose, but with his purpose. Because if you can put your life in line with what God wants for you, your life is going to start making sense. Let me put it this way. Your life will not make sense until you align your life with his purpose. You ever woke up in the morning and go, what is my purpose here on this earth? Like, is this it? I just wake up and brush my teeth. Like, hopefully you do that. I would just wake up and brush my teeth and drink some coffee and go to work and then do it all over again. Is that it? But see, when you align your life with God's purpose, things begin to come into full focus. Let me put it to you like this. In Psalms 139, 16, it says this. All the days, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Meaning this, before the Bible was ever even written, before God created anything, it says God had a purpose for you. He has a plan, a destiny for your life. And some of you are saying, no, you don't understand. Like, I've screwed some chapters up in that book. Like, I've rewritten some chapters in that book. Like, I don't know how I can ever realign my purpose. Well, Ephesians 2.10 puts it this way. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Here's what I want you to understand. Each and every human being in this auditorium reflects the divine image of God. So if you've bought into the lie that, man, I've screwed my life up too much, or I've done too many things where God could never forgive me, I want you to understand you reflect God's image. Like, Ultimately, at the end of the day, if you reflect the divine, if you reflect who God is, he's never going to turn his back on himself. So at the end of the day, you've got to understand whatever season of life that you find yourself in now or whatever you've done, like God still has a plan for you. God still has a purpose for you. God has a plan. He has a destiny. He didn't make you first and then go, oh, well, because you screwed some things up, I'm just going to remove my purpose from you. I'm going to remove my plan for you. 
Let me put it to you like this. We need to live by design and not by default. We need to learn to live by design and not by default. Like, what is God's plan? What is his design? What is his perfect will for my life? Now, why do I say that we need to do this? We need to do this because of this. Because there is a competition for your time and attention every single day. I don't know if you realize this, but every single day you walk into a world that wants your time, that wants your attention. And if you're not living in God's purpose, if you're not living in his design, your time is going to get distracted with meaningless things. And you're going to give your time and attention to things that don't reflect the purpose and the intention that, that God has for you. Meaning this, like credit card companies have a plan for your time and your purpose, right? How many of you just get littered with like, like every time you like go to your mailbox, it's like another offer, you know, for a credit card company or whatever it is. Like they have a plan for your life. For you to keep borrowing more and more and more money. They know what they want from your wallet. Let me put it to you like this. If you let someone else define your life, they will. If you let someone else define your life, they will. And here's what's happening. Too many many of us are living our lives for the approval of other people that we're not even living our lives on purpose because we're trying to fulfill what everybody else wants for us. We're so concerned with, well, what are they going to say? What are they going to think? And God's saying, what do you want? What have I created you to do here on this earth? The truth is we add too many things to our schedule every single day. Oftentimes it don't even need to be there. The world mantra is simply this, more is better, right? More is always better. Like one dollar is good, but two dollars is better. Three dollars is good, but like five dollars is better. One wife is good, but two is, that's not good, (laughs) right? (laughs) I heard a joke the other day, uh, we were laughing about it. <laughs> they said, you ever, you ever hear why Solomon had so many wives? You ever read the Bible, he has like 900 and something wives. You're like, why would God allow him to have 900 wives? It was just in hope that he could wake up one morning and one of them would be in a good mood. <laughs> right? <Amen. laughs> it's a joke, get over it. Let me put it to you like this, though. And this is very convicting to me. An overwhelmed schedule will often produce an underwhelmed soul. An overwhelmed schedule will often produce an underwhelmed soul. A soul that is beat up, a soul that is tired, a soul that is dragged down, a soul that says, I can't go anymore. Why? Because you're overwhelmed. The truth is you have no time. You have no space for God. Ephesians 4, 6 puts it, I mean, Ecclesiastes 4, 6 puts it this way. Better is one handful of tranquility or peace than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. What is Solomon saying? It's better to not have as much rather than having so much you can't juggle at all. And you lose your soul in the process. Why is that important? It's important because time is short. Time is very short. Time is short for your life. And here's the truth. Every single day you're one closer, one step closer to expiration. Every single day. Life is so fragile. Like Jesus is coming soon and we are living in the last days. Every single day we get closer to eternity. 
And life is short, and oftentimes we live it like it's so long. We live it like we have, oh, I'll get around to it tomorrow. Or I'll fix this about myself eventually. I mean, and it, Jesus it's literally says this, and I'll read it in a second, but in, in the book of James, God literally defines human existence as a breath. Like human existence to God's time span and his reality is like breathing. It's here and then it's gone. It's over with. James puts it this way. He says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. He says, why do you not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Here's the truth. I'll never change my life until I change something I do every day. 2018 will not be any different unless you start to change your habits. You begin to change your, the, your thinking, the things that you do every single day. If you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what you're getting. <laughs> Some of you are looking at your life and say, I need a change. The reason that you're not changing is because you're still doing the same things over and over and expecting a different result. You're still hanging around the same friends. Like some of us, to be honest with you, to to simplify our life, some of us need to cut off people that we hang around. People that constantly drag us down. People that are not uplifting to our souls or our spirit. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you four things to help you master this habit. How do we keep our life aligned with God's purpose? Number one, decide what is important. Decide what is important in your life. Um, here's what I mean by this. A lot of us are living our lives defined by what is urgent and not what is important. Like you look at your schedule and say, oh my gosh, if I don't get this done tomorrow, then something is going to go bad. So we're often bouncing around to what is urgent and not what is important. And we can't lose priority. Have you ever reminded yourself of your priority? <laughs> like, oh my gosh, like I should have I done that two months ago, right? Any last minute people in here? Like you thrive under the last minute pressure? That's me. <laughs> my, my wife gets all giddy about having like this yearly planner. I'm like, you're sick. How do you do that? Like, I don't know how you do that. But I understand it, and it's starting to come into to focus for me a little bit more because rather than doing important things, I gravitate my time towards doing the urgent things. And then I'm stressed out. And then I'm overwhelmed because I'm just taking care of the things that just have to be done, and I didn't prioritize those things. Philippians 3, verse 7 through 8 puts it like this, But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. Here's the truth. Whatever I used to think was really important, it's not. So when you align your life with God's purpose, the things that you used to think were important, you begin to understand that those were the things that I just thought were urgent, and that doesn't even line up with God's purpose for my life. So here's the most beautiful news about this habit is you might be getting to a place today is where you got to look at your life and say, I've got to cut some things out. I've got to trim the fat down of the things in my schedule and in my day that are not adding any purpose to my life. 
And the truth is, when you start doing this, you start living a life on purpose. But let me, let me say this. You're not going to get this unless you go all in. All in. It's like a, a game of poker. You've got all the chips on the table and you say, okay, I am completely invested. I am all in. That's what your relationship with Jesus has to look like. That's what, when you align your life with God's purpose, it's you saying, I'm all in. I am completely, 100% invested to doing whatever God would have me do, even though it may be some things that I'm not going to like, even though it may be some things that may be embarrassing to my soul, even though it may be some things that are going to hurt or may, may cause some disruption in my family or whatever it is, I'm going to live my life on purpose. The second thing that we have to learn to do is we've got to give calendar time to the most important things. We give calendar time to the most important things. Let me put it like this. You don't have a value if it doesn't show up on your calendar. If you don't prioritize it, it's not a value to you. I've been using this book for our 21 days of of prayer and fasting, and it's called You Are What You Love. You are what you love, and the author is constantly going around saying this, kind of getting to this idea, this principle. He's saying, you probably don't really love what you think you love. He said, we, we can say all kinds of things. Well, yes, I love Jesus, and my relationship with Jesus is the highest priority in my life, and I love my family and my kids. But he says, whatever you actually give your time to, that's what you really love. Just because you say that you love something, just because you say that you value something, does not mean it's true. Ultimately, at the end of the day, what do we have to back it up with? Our time, our habits, our priorities, our calendar, and that will define what we really love. Pastor Jacob used to say it like this all the time. He said, just pull up your bank account and you'll, you'll find out what you really love. Whatever you spend the most on, or just look at your calendar, and whatever you give your time the most to, that's usually what you really love. Psalms 19, I mean 90 verse 12 puts it this way. Teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Listen, help us to spend our time as we should. Time is so precious, it's so valuable. And so many of us just waste it. It's almost like we give it away to things that don't even matter. But listen, so here's what I would challenge every person in here to do today. And John Maxwell is the one that actually stated this, so this is not original to me. But he he calls it the rule of five. The rule of five. And he said, if you could look at your calendar, you could sit down, spend a moment with Jesus in prayer, in fasting, over these next 21 days, and you would say, God, what are the five things that I need to do every single day that are going to align my life with your purpose? And he said, every single day when you wake up, if you do those five things, you'll live a life on purpose. So what is that? What is that for you? Is it waking up and just simply saying, okay, for 15 minutes, I'm going to spend time with Jesus. And then maybe it's when I get home, I'm shutting off devices and I'm spending quality time with my family. Or maybe it's, hey, every single day I'm going to go on a walk and be by myself and clear my head and spend time with Jesus. See, the truth is most of us know the things that we actually need to do to get healthy. We're just not doing them. 
But he said, if you could have a rule of five, five things that would help your life align with your purpose. He gave this example. He says, it's like an axe hitting a tree five times a day. Eventually, you're going to wake up in the morning and you're going to get to the place on the, the 20th day where you hit that tree and it falls down. And that's how habits break. It's not within just one second, oh, I'm going to decide that I'm going to end this habit. He said, it's like every day, if you do those five things, it's like you hitting that tree five times with an axe. What did you do? You made a little dent in it. And you wake up in the morning the next day and you do it again, and then you do it again, and then you do it again. And before you know it, you've chopped down 20 trees. And before you know it, you've gotten rid of all the habits that weren't healthy, all the things that were pulling your focus and your attention away from Jesus. So let me just give you a few quick examples of maybe some things that you could do. But I want to say this. Don't take these examples as like scripture. (laughs) These are just some personal examples. These are just things that I wrote down. So every life is going to look different because every human being is wired differently. But here's some things that you could do. Maybe just spend some time in prayer. Maybe just study God's word. Maybe it's learning to actually be present to the people that you love the most. So maybe it's actually learning to have a conversation and not be distracted by a device. Maybe it's simply every single day I want to make sure that I make a difference in somebody else's life. And it could be small, it could be minuscule, it doesn't have to be big. Maybe it's, you know what, today, every, every single day I'm going to learn how to take care of myself. Or maybe you need to create something that you know of. Maybe, like I've said before, you go on a walk. You spend five minutes in silence. You do whatever you need to do. Ultimately, this leads me to this. You need to make time for renewal. Every single day, you need to make time for renewal where your soul can be filled up and renewed in Christ. You have to refresh yourself. Here's, here's, here's the picture where some of you are at. You are so thirsty with no water. <laughs> and you're asking yourself the question, why am I so tired? Why am I so beat up? Why am I so exhausted? Why am I so burnt out on Jesus and Christianity and doing the right thing? Because you're thirsty and you've never quenched your thirst. You're running and you're running and you're running and you're going and you're going. And here's the problem. You're actually going to a water source that is going to make you even more thirsty. So we think, oh, I just need a day in bed. Oh, I just need to watch Netflix. Oh, I just need that. Actually, that dehydrates you even more. It's not filling up your soul. You have to understand the principle of Sabbath. I'll just just admit it to you. You know what we do horribly as Christians a lot of times? We don't actually take the commandment of Sabbath seriously. I don't know if you know this, but in other cultures, like the Sabbath, is taken so seriously, almost to the the religious extreme. Like if you work on the Sabbath, they'll chop your hand off. We don't need to go to that extreme, okay? But they take it so seriously because they say, you know what, I'm going to work as hard as I can for six days, and then on the seventh day, I'm going to rest. And I'm going to refuel my soul. I'm going to recharge my batteries. I'm going to go on a walk. I'm going to pray. We're going to eat good food. We're going to enjoy good friends. We're going to do whatever we need to do that refuels our soul. And when you do that, you can hit the next six days going, all right, man, I just got recharged. I just got refreshed. To give you another word picture, it'd be like this. How many of you guys panic whenever you see your iPhone on like 1%? <laughs> You're like, oh my God. It has created like this pandemonium in our culture, right? 
Or we're constantly looking for a charge. We're constantly, like, does anybody remember the Nokia phones that would last for like three weeks? (laughs) But listen, that's what some of us look like. Oh my God, I need a charge. Oh my God, I need a charge. I need a charge. With nowhere to go to charge up. And we wonder why our life seems out of order. And we wonder why we don't feel like we're living on purpose. And we wonder why we feel empty. And we wonder why we find ourselves in a dark spot in life. Because we're not recharging. See, 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away. So Some of us feel that, right? Man, I feel like life is just, it's not going as I planned. I feel like I'm wasting away. But watch this. If you fill your soul up with Jesus, it says, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. So here's what happens. If you make space and time and you Sabbath and you allow the Lord to refresh you, here's what happens. You could be wasting away on the outside, but because inside you're being renewed, your perspective is completely different. So rather than going, oh man, all these crummy circumstances and your soul just gets beat down and and you feel so tired, you go, no, 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 hold on. This is not going to alter my perspective. This is not going to alter my view on God because you're being filled up from the inside out. So you're making time for renewal and then you also, listen, this is so important, make time for relationships. Make time for relationships. The most important decision that some of you could do in 2018 is get around like-minded people. Get around people that are going to fuel you up. On January 28th, Ryan's going to talk about it at the end of, end of service, we're going to launch off all of our life groups again. Listen, you need it more than you think you do. You need godly healthy people that are all walking down one path saying, listen, I don't have all the answers, but let's do it together. Some of you need, 2018 needs to be a year where you reevaluate and you relook at some of your friendships. How many of you have ever been, like, you wake up in the morning and you have that time with Jesus and, man, you're, you feel refreshed and you feel renewed and then you go to work and you get around that person that just sucks the life out of you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Is that person sitting next to you? Bump them real quick. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. relationships make all the difference in the world. People that you can get around, people that encourage you, people that offer hope to you, people that renew you, people that charge your batteries. You also need to make time for reward. You need to make time for reward. You need to do things, listen to me, that have an eternal reward that actually fill your soul up. So I, I personally, I want to thank every single person that already gets that, that serves on the dream team here. Like, we could not do what we do without you. Like my dad said in the video, there are people every single week that you never even see that are serving just to make this happen. From our kids' department to our greeters to the people on the computer, you don't notice them until something bad happens, right? It's the only time you notice them. But they make all of this go. And, and why do we do it? Because we understand, are we, are we getting a reward right now? No, we understand that our reward is in heaven. And ultimately, we're attaching ourselves to a purpose that is larger than us. Ecclesiastes 1.14 puts it this way. It says, I have seen all things that are done under the sun. What does Solomon say? He's like, I've looked at my life and I've seen everything. Everything that's happened. And look what he says. 
all of them are meaningless and chasing after the wind. Now, what does he mean by that? Is he saying like everything in life just sucks, so you should just give up? <laughs> no. Here's what, he, what he's meaning. He says, I have surveyed everything. If you go back and you read in the beginning of Ecclesiastes, Solomon literally goes through this list of everything that he's done. He says, man, I've tried alcohol. I've tried wine. I've tried multiple women. I have built big houses. I have tried everything to give me pleasure, to fill up my tank. And then he said, I observed all of them, and all of them were meaningless unless God was in it. All of it was meaningless unless I attached myself to the purpose and the design that God had. So the third thing that will help us form this habit of living a life on purpose is number three. We've got to eliminate the non-essentials. Eliminate the non-essentials. The things in our life that don't belong and don't make your life any better. Here's the trap that we often get caught up in in Christianity. There are things that you can do that are not sin. And we actually get away with them because they're not sin. We can say, well, you know what? I can go out and um, you know, I can have a glass of wine and God's not going to be frustrated at me. It's not sin, right? I don't believe it is. But what happens is that glass of wine for you can never just be one, can it? So it leads into this medicating thing where it goes, okay, I don't need, oh, then you start excusing two, three. I'm not going to get drunk. I just need a buzz, right? So you need to take the edge off a little bit. So what happens is, as Christians, we get really good at making excuses for things. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, at least I'm not in a bar. At least I'm not, like, you know, you know quitting my job. At least I'm not doing this. But what value is it adding to your life? And look, I'm not here to cast shame on people, and that's not, that's not what I'm trying to do. What I'm trying to do is I want you to look at and evaluate your life. What are the things that I'm making excuses for? It may not be sin, but is it holding me back in my relationship with Jesus? We, we do it all the time. So what do we, we make an excuse. We go to a movie. We go to a movie, we sit in a movie, and there's probably things on the screen that you should not be watching, but you're like, oh, you know, I'm an adult, <laughs> but you're still human and it does something to you. It does. And so it's looking at our life and going, what are the things that I really need to filter? What are the things that I need to look at that are dragging me down? What are the things that I need to cut? What things can I look at and say I need to eliminate the non-essentials? Some of you don't need to make a to-do list. You need to make a to-don't list. (laughs) right? What are the things in my life that I don't need to do? What are the things in my life that drag me down, weigh me down, that are just adding compression and stress and anxiety to my life? So some of you need to go home and look at your friend and say, bye, Felicia, right? (laughs) I'm not saying do it that way. But we need to cut off some things. What are some non-essentials? Where did that even, I don't, I don't even know why I said that. <laughs> Hebrew, <laughs> Hebrews 12.1 puts it this way. Let's get back to the Bible. Hebrews 12.1. Let us throw off everything that hinders. I love how he uses that word. Listen, everything. 
And, and here's what God would say to you this morning, because I know what your soul is doing right now. I know what your spirit is doing, because if you're anything like me, you're like, God, I'll give you everything, but not this one. Like that word, everything, you know what it actually means in the Greek? Everything. <laughs> everything. And, and, and here's the thing. Your life will not make sense until you submit and surrender everything to Jesus. But here's the good news. You will experience a joy that you have never felt before when you are not in control of your life anymore. Because the thing, listen to me, the things that you hold on to, those are the things that you're going to carry. And God says, I can't carry those for you. But the things that you surrender, God says, I'll carry them. I'll take care of them. So the fourth thing that we've got to learn to do, the fourth and final thing, and I think we don't do this one enough. Number four, take, regularly take inventory of your heart. Regularly take inventory of your heart. Look at your life and say, where is my life out of alignment? Where is my life not working? Where is it not fitting? Where is it not lining up? You know, the sad part is, my, my wife and I talk about this all the time. We do a lot of counseling. And I think the problem is some, some people, a lot of people, we're just not self-aware of where we're really at. We know that we're full of anger. We know that we're full of rage. We know that we're full of frustration. We know that we're full of all those things. But the truth is we don't know why. We don't know why. Like, God, why am I angry? Why am I frustrated? And somebody could ask you and you could say, oh, it's my job. Oh, it's my wife. Oh, it's my kids. Oh, it's the busyness. Oh, it's the schedule. And we, the truth is we don't really know. And the reason that we don't really know is because we don't really regularly take inventory of our life. This is the importance of why, of, of why Sabbath actually makes so much sense. Because when you Sabbath, when you set your time aside, when you put it away and you, you free yourself up from distractions, here's what happens. It's your true, authentic self. Because when you distract yourself too much, here's what happens. You're not even thinking for yourself anymore. You're thinking through the, the lens of somebody else. Well, what would somebody else do in this situation? Somebody that you look up to, somebody that you value, what would they do? And really the question that God wants to ask you is, no, in your own integrity and character, what would you do? And it's looking at it that way that we would regularly take inventory of our heart. And I think, I mean, the reason that we don't sometimes is, to be honest, we're scared. We're scared to take inventory. I'm scared to really know where I'm at. It's the reason that a lot of us in here actually avoid community. Because the, the second that I allow myself to be known is the second that I'm probably going to start figuring some things out of myself. Out of myself and then I'm going to realize, like, I don't actually like these things about myself. But, but here's the good news. Every single person in this room, you're not alone. We all have things that we don't like. Like if I put a screen up on these doors and it says as soon as you walk through these doors, it's going to shout out your deepest fears and anxieties. Like people would be like, I ain't going to that church, right? It'd freak us out. It'd scare us to death. But the truth is, here's what I believe that God would want to say to us this morning. Man, if you want to align your life with the purpose that I have for you, the destiny that I have planned for you, the vision that I have planned for you, you're probably going to have to do some things that your heart doesn't want to do, but I promise you it's best for you. 
And I don't know about you, but I don't want to live my life on my own purpose. I want to live my life for whatever God wants me to do because I know that's always going to be better than anything that I could think, dream, or pray about. Psalms 39 verse 4 says it this way. Lord, remind me of how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered and that my life, listen, is fleeing away. My life is no longer the width of my hand. Think about that. An entire lifetime is just a moment to you. Human existence is but a breath. But a snap of a finger, here today and gone tomorrow. You know, one of the things about this job that I do is I often, very often, sit with people in their pain and their sorrow, and we see a lot of death and all those kinds of things. And the thing that I'm constantly reminded of, of like how quick life is. I remember just that, uh, it was a little after summer of this year, I was l- scrolling through Facebook and I saw like a classmate that I was in an acting class with, just gone, dead. Like, wow, man, four kids, same age as me. Life is fast. And, and here's what I want to encourage you to do as I bring this to a close. I want you to think deeply about your life. Like, let's not think surface stuff, okay? I'm not talking about the little minuscule things that we know that we need to change. I need to go work out. I need to do this. I I want you to think deeply for a moment. How short life is, how quick it is, how invincible you think you actually are. Oh, it's not going to happen to me. I'm not going to be one of those people, you know. I'm not going to be the classmate that's not here next year. You could be. Life is so fast. And I want you to think deeply because this really matters. Think deeply for a moment. God, what are the things in my life that are keeping me from fulfilling the purpose that you have for me? And then I want you to pray, God, give me the boldness and give me the courage to do what I need to do to make that right. So for some of you, here's what it looks like. January 28th comes around, you need to get involved in a life group and you need to be around other people. For some of you, it may look like tomorrow morning, you need to wake up at 7 o'clock in the morning and you need to join us for prayer. For, for some of you, it may, just, it may simply be confession. Here's where I'm at. Here's what I've done. And I don't feel like I can move past this until I get this off of my chest. There's actually a healing in that. A healing that comes, a peace that comes when you humble yourself before the Lord and say, you know what? I'm not as strong as I think I am. (laughs) I actually don't have it all together. The older that I get, um, I realize the weaker that I am. I begin to realize God actually allows weakness in my life so that my head doesn't get this big. He allows the weakness in my life so that I can learn to rely on him more and I actually have to look at it as, man, this is God leading me closer and closer to him. See, the scriptures actually teach us when we're so weak, when we feel like we're kicked down so low, God says, that is actually your opportunity to tap into a strength that you've never experienced before. Because here's what happens. When you feel like you're so low and you've got no strength left, guess what? You get to rely on God's strength and not your own. That's the strength that I want. 
That's something that I want to tap into. I want to tap into a strength that is, man, it's not relying on just Zach and how far Zach can carry his life. And God wants the same thing for you.